are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 685, Valor, number 17, DOA, part 6, a love that will last until the end of time. Welcome to episode 685 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I'm Paul French, and today I am procrastinating, Paul. Oh, no. Oh, well, I say procrastinating. I Well, I mean, I, I suppose ultimately it is. But I had a little two-pager to finish tonight, and so I'm going to have to finish it while uh, while you guys do the episode. But but uh, it's because I had a whole lot of, uh, of, of house cleaning stuff to do and resorting yeah. uh, basically making our rec room usable again and um and and <laughs> all that fun stuff and so that took up much of uh, much of the day and then there was all sorts of other stuff that needed to be done and so, well uh, yeah. you're a bi- you're a busy parent and it's, husband and guitar player it is so. stuff it is stuff yeah so you got stuff to do so there it is. So I will I will uh, be here for the intros, and then I'm gonna kind of duck out for a bit, and then I will hopefully be back before the end of the episode. But it is a Valor episode, so maybe you might hear at the end, "Hey, Paul, we're done." Paul, <laughs> exactly. Paul, are you there? But it's Paul? only been what? <laughs> it's only been ten minutes. Someone um, call Canada. Paul's <laughs> Paul's busy. So uh, so uh, it all remains to be seen, but uh, but there we go. We got us. Uh, I love this. I love that will last until the end of time. I, I mean, I, I suppose it's all fine as long as the you know end of time isn't like you know in the next couple of issues. <laughs> well. So how about you, sir? Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Darren Noel, and uh, tonight I am missed this issue completely, kid. <laughs> To let you know, I usually read the issue before we we talk about it. And today I went to Comixology and went, oh, next issue, it's this one. Let's read it. Do, 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 do. And five minutes before we started recording, I'm like, so we're doing 18 tonight. And everyone's like, no, it's 17. I'm like, I read 18, and I don't think I missed a beat. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of hopes for this issue, kids. <laughs> telling you. I thought, oh, this is a completely... Can continuation from where we left off. Yay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, decompression. <laughs> it's mm. a thing, apparently. <laughs> so, so that is me tonight. So, and Mr. Travis, unfortunately, has, has he sat too close to infectious last at Legion Academy. So, uh, he is, uh, he's uh, nursing some, uh, some infections within his poor, uh, skinny body. So hopefully he will get over that really soon. So he, over, he's, he's a little horse. He's a little horse, like a little Shetland pony. Like a pony. Yeah. <laughs> he's our little pony. Little, Seb- little Sebastian. Oh, little Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So over to you, Mr. Michael. Hi, everybody. Uh, Michael Grabois. And this week I am too many names to choose from, lad. Mm. <clears throat> I couldn't decide between uh, football weekend boy because I watched a lot of football and went up to Austin to see uh, see the Longhorns play and pretty much all of my college teams won. Yeah. Uh, 
Good for you. Uh, leftovers lad for obvious reasons. Obviously, yeah. Uh, Karma Kid, um, because as I had mentioned last week, I was getting ready to get a new phone, and then like literally an hour oh, after we yes. finished the podcast, I dropped it on the floor, the same as I've done uh, a thousand times before in my house, except this time it decided to crack the screen. Mm. And so that was $120 that I didn't want to spend. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. But it was spend $120 to be able to get an $800 rebate on the phone. So, ah, so okay, yeah. It has to be in perfect condition in order to turn it in. Uh, and then my last one is uh, five streaming channels, lad. Uh, with my new phone plan, I have added a year of Apple TV and Paramount Plus. Uh, neither of which I was really familiar with. So, if anybody has any uh, suggestions on what to watch on those two, uh, put them in the in the chat or in the uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, so those are free. I already have Netflix um, through my uh, phone account. I have Disney Plus through my sister, and I have HBO Max through my DirecTV. So there you go. if I didn't have enough to watch before, I have even more now. Now you have all of it. Yeah, exactly. got all of it. I, uh, I, I, I also got Apple Plus uh, with my new iPad a month ago, and I haven't used it at all, unfortunately. Although I should probably try and watch Foundation because oh, I'm a yeah. you know yeah, I think you big like fan that. of that book series, and I want to see how badly they mangle it. <laughs> yeah, it's perhaps it's better if you haven't read it before. I find the more you know in enraptured you are in the in the source material, the angrier you are about the uh, any translation to TV or film. So yeah, let's yeah. let's fair, not talk. Th let's not talk about. Uh, the CBS all access version of the stand oh, that came out yeah. last year. See, see, yeah, oh, it's always well, something. I mean, look at the masters of the universe fans who are screaming about the, yeah, but they don't, they don't matter. Uh oh, hello. <laughs> no, none of this matters. Drop, dropping bars, dropping bars early. <laughs> they, they just didn't like that. Yeah. Never I know. mind. I know. I know exactly what they didn't like. I heard all the bitching. It's pretty hilarious. What they, did, what they didn't like was a spoiler, unfortunately. Exactly. So, so but, that is it for me. I will uh, turn it over to you, Jim. Hey, everyone. I'm Jim Purcell. And this week, among all the other things I was, I was there are still new comics to discover, lad. Ooh. Uh, so, as you know, I read a lot of comics, in case no one knows that. <laughs> um, so I was on Twitter and somebody, oh, did I not pull this up? Uh, somebody mentioned an article from a 1986 uh, issue of, I think, Amazing Heroes. And on it, they had ranked all their favorite comics from that year. And, of course, the usual suspects, because 1986 was one of those stacked years, of course. You got you know Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. But the number two— That was a great year for comics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the number two book on that list was a book called— Moonshadow. Yes. Oh. Yes. And Is that, uh, never... John, J John J. Muff? Uh, yeah. I had never heard of it before. And the fact that uh, J.M. Damat... No, it was J.M. DeMatteis. Yeah, he wrote it, yeah, but John, think... John J. Muth uh, was the artist. Yeah, yeah J.J. Muth was the, was the artist, yeah. and uh, Yeah, that was it. With Yeah, the DeMatteis being attached to it, I said, huh, I've never heard of this. And... Luckily, it is available uh, via Dark Horse these days, so it is in print. Mm. 
And I did manage to read issue one last night, and holy crap, is this book good? It's amazing. Uh, pretty, I can see why it's on the same list with Watchmen. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it came out through Epic, Marvel's Epic yes, back in the it, 80s. It originally came out through Epic, it got reprinted at Vertigo, and now it's a Dark oh, Horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was it was sort of early in the uh, in the Vertigo stuff because it was stuff that it was something that already existed. And uh, the rights had reverted or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's really interesting. It's really wild. And it, it feels like a Euro comic. If, just to give a, yeah. if anyone just, yeah, because it's, it's very like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Risque, I suppose. Uh, it's very unusual. It's very different. And I, I think I love it. Uh, I'll get back to you all on what, uh, nice. how it's going when, when I finish it. Sweet. But yeah, there's still comics out there you've never heard of. Never stop looking. Absolutely. The mm. the mid eighties were a really good time for uh for comics. That I get that impression sometimes, yes. Yeah, I mean it was uh, the beginning of the comic book shops, you know, the the direct market was big. At the time we had companies like Kamiko and Eclipse and pre image and all those guys. So there was a lot of comic stuff and there was a lot of indie stuff. And that's when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became a thing in black and white, you know? Yeah, there's yeah. A, that, that whole air black and white boom and bust era mm -hmm. it was was really kind of fascinating to live through. Every, everybody decided that, oh, my God, the turtles are so big and they're in black and white and they're self-published that maybe if I self-publish my black and white comic, I can get as mm -hmm. rich as they are. And yeah. every everybody put out books, black and white books, self-published. And in retrospect, most of them were crap. Oh uh, um, yeah. Most <laughs> and, well, and now I collect them out of dollar bins. Mm -hmm. at, the, at the time, most of them were crap, but there were a few that transcended crap for a while. <laughs> um, before everybody realized that wait, this is crap, and this is. Uh, too amateur to be published and selling for the same price as you know as John Dark Brown. Knight and Watchmen and exactly yeah yada yada. And See, so uh, the was, only one I managed to pick up was Adolescent Radioactive Black Belt Hamsters because it was the parody. Yeah, and that is the and, only reason I picked it up. And there were Elf. there were there were a bunch of those parodies and parodies mm -hmm. of parodies, but then you had some. Some really interesting stuff. Everything from you know, fish police. Ooh, fish police. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not desperate enough to try fish police yet. Yeah. That's, that's not quite no, no, at that it's, level. It's. You'd that be went surprised. on for a while though, didn't it? Didn't yeah, it? fish police was good. Yeah. Um, that was like published for at least five years. I remember seeing the ads. So. Um. And yeah, and there's just a lot of stuff that. There's a lot of chaff to wait through, wade through yep. until you get to the good stuff. Hey, but there, there, is, there, there is on the DC, the DC and Marvel shelves too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Leave us, leave us not be remiss to mention. <laughs> exactly. You yeah, know, even, Marvel even versus Marvel, DC. <laughs> Marvel even published a uh, a parody book at the time. Um, it was like uh, the Brand power pachyderms or something yes uh. or the or it was like the i don't know somebody had like a the preteen uh green 
geriatric jujitsu gerbils or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I'm missing mixing up a couple titles, but even Marvel got in on it. And then it was quickly canceled because it was crap. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, Marvel and DC do that all the time. DC came out with Identity Crisis, and Marvel came out with what Identity Ring or something. Identity Disc. Identity Disc. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, they were and, right and next to each other, and it's like, ooh, look, someone's trying to dip into that well. <laughs> well, you want to hear how, how actually stupid it is? All right, you remember Marvel Zombies? <laughs> yeah. So round, when, so yeah, kind of. But anyway, when DC did Deceased a couple of years ago or last year, I forget. Yeah. Marvel. You know, you'd think, oh, they'll put out a new Marvel zombie book. Nope. They came out with a book called Contagion and just did it again. <laughs> wow. Oh. Just wow. Why not? Well, I mean, I, I think I think of Blackest Night as DC Zombies, honestly. <laughs> well, there's, there's that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that that was the DC zombie story for me. <laughs> that's that's as close as I care to get into a DC zombie story ever. Just, just because zombies are not my thing, and I think they're overdone, honestly. Now, I mean, great success for The Walking Dead and that franchise and everything, but enough. G- give the zombies a rest. They, they're undead already. Yeah. Let, them, let them rest. Let them die. Let, let's bring up some different monsters and then bring zombies back in like ten years. Well, to be fair, I don't think there is that much zombie anymore. I mean, there's The Walking Dead TV show, and that's about it. Well, there's like three Walking Dead TV shows is the problem. Yeah, but that's just media for you. Well, yeah, they they will ride a horse until it dies. (laughs) And then the zombies eat it. And the zombies will eat the horse (laughs) in episode two, as I recall. Coming soon, uh, Game of Thrones prequel, by the way. Yeah, totally. Yep. Talk about it, riding a dead horse. I think there's going to be a prequel to the prequel, too. Mm, we love prequels. They yeah. go so well, right, George? <laughs> prequels are the best. Oh my! Outstanding. All right, I think that's enough tangenting. Oh, we've got plenty of room for tangenting. <laughs> oh, we, have, we have not yet begun to tangent. Seriously, but uh, we have someone else with us. <laughs> yes, we do. Take it away, Derek. G'day. G'day, everyone. It's me, Derek Bins. Once again, calling in from the future. Hooray. And this this week, I am Recreation Roy. Ooh. So, in a pocket universe... Does Roy I, count as a gendered name? For, yeah. Never mind. That's a callback. <laughs> don't, don't ignore me. I don't know any girls named Roy, so yeah, I think so. <laughs> in, a, in a pocket universe where there was no plague this last two years, this would have been my travel year. So I would have ah. been off gallivanting in Europe and seeing as I couldn't. So I've just decided just to take a couple of weeks off just Mm -hmm. because. So I'm having a little recreation time. So last week I went to see uh, Eternals and the new James Bond film. And I bought myself a PlayStation five and I've been playing Jedi Fallen Order. Wow. You're living a life. I am. That's outstanding. It, 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 gotta stay at home. Best. Stay at home in, in style, you mm-hmm. know? So. You're lucky, yes, too, because those PS5s are still impossible to find. Well, I had a mate who knows a mate who <laughs> works in one of the shops that sell uh-huh. um, console games. Mm-hmm. And so 
my mate's mate sent my mate a message who sent me a message <laughs> to say the they are taking pre-orders today and today only. Only. So I, I zoomed in and said, I've heard that you are ordering PlayStation 5s. And they said, yes, we are. We only found out this morning. And I said, I would like to order one of your best PlayStation 5s, please. <laughs> and two weeks later, it arrived, which was last week. Sweet. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And it's a good thing you weren't traveling because apparently we have a new uh, we have a new variant. <laughs> oh no! Places. Yes. CNN <laughs> just broke that. By the way, it's in Canada. Not, yep. su not surprising anyone that it has already traveled over here since they discovered it in South Africa what a week ago. Doesn't surprise me a bit that it's here. It's here, people. Yes. It's like be safe. It's like peeing Wash the pool. Your hands, yep. Wear your masks. Mm -hmm. Get your shots. We've said it before, we'll say it again. Do the thing. God love you, bless your hearts. But enough. <laughs> enough of this bullshit. In Ding! Explicit tag courtesy of... <laughs> Darren, again! <laughs> Not really a shocker, is it, folks? Yeah, you know. Really? You know. It's, us it's, it's usually down to you or me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here we are again. Here it is. Yay. In <sighs> All right, folks, I'm going to put in the the um, the question of uh, of uh, Legion News, and then I am going to duck out, and I will uh, hopefully join you guys a little bit later. Is there any Legion News? <laughs> and he's gone. Negative. The Canadian Phantom. Crickets. No news. That's sad, isn't it? All quiet on the Legion front. I mean, we know we have the Justice League versus the Legion coming, but that's not till next year, right? Yeah, right. we do have the the annual coming annual. Up next, next uh, sometime next next month or in December. December. Okay, it's, it's a setup, and Bendis says the Legion does not appear. So I don't know how. Put down your wallets. Yeah, I don't know how that's a setup then, but okay, unless. The Justice League finds something, and for a change, they go to the future instead of the Legion coming to the past. That'd be an interesting little twist. I think this one of the solicitations said they some of the Justice Leaguers go to the future. Ah, well, there we go. They must get time zapped by somebody. Wonder if Kronos is up to his old tricks again. I guess we'll see. Is there maybe, still a Kronos? Or a lady Kang, Kronos? <laughs> maybe Kang the Conqueror. Nah, nah. DC's... DC and Marvel haven't done any crossovers uh, in ages since, uh, definitely since Disney took over uh, Marvel. So I, I think they're on the. Last Ambar one I did was All Access. All Access? Oh, no, 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 no. JL no. Avengers came after that. Yeah. But I think that was the last one. Yes. All Access was the second miniseries after uh, Marvel versus DC. And that was in so the 2000s or 90s. That would have, yeah. That would have been like ninety nine at the latest. Yeah, uh, because had I think. And pockets. Well, actually, it would have been like ninety seven because the Marvel versus DC was ninety six. Then the the second the second wave of am, uh, of amalgam was in ninety seven, and I think the second all access series was in ninety eight. Hmm. Uh, uh, I think JLA Avengers was the last crossover officially. Yes. And honestly, if it was the last crossover, then thank you, because that's probably the best crossover we would ever get 
Yeah. The, 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 yeah, this was Daily Avengers was 2003 to 2004. It crossed over the year because it took Perez so long on the art. Um, but we all know that. But I don't think there's been one since then. So uh, uh, Unlimited Access was the uh, the second one that was uh, 98. Yeah, OK. Yeah, yeah, Marvel. I don't think Marvel. Well, that's not true. Actually, there have been a few Marvel uh, crossovers, but they're kind of weird. Like there was that uh, Attack on Titan crossover they did, mm. uh, but Marvel has not done a lot of crossovers in general since the Disney buyout. Yeah. Uh, DC has been a lot more amicable to them uh, with all those Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers crossovers. Well, yeah. And Ninja Turtles and Batman. Oh yeah. But I remember it wasn't like every year. Batman and Punisher would team up for some bizarre reason. It seemed like for a while. But uh, Batman's JL- also teamed up versus everybody. So, you know, there's yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. JLA Avengers was 2003. I'm just looking real quick to see if there's anything. There's, there's, uh, in 2013, there's DC Universe versus Masters of the Universe. Yep, that was a thing. And then there was a crossover with Conan. Now, that uh, Conan was still owned by Dark Horse at the time, but now Conan's run by Marvel. So that's now longer up. Uh, Yeah, I don't think that counts. I don't think you can count all the uh, like the intercompany stuff that DC does, like DC versus like the Hanna-Barbera, because that's all that's all that's all intercompany. Exactly. Although you can still you can still buy Wonder Woman Conan uh, on Comixology. It hasn't been delisted yet. Interesting. But yeah, I think that's I think that's it, kids. I, I, I don't think we've had one. I don't think the mouse likes playing outside his sandbox. I think it's what that boils down to. Well, that was still 2003, 2004. That was like a almost of, 20 years ago. Yeah, that was a while ago. I mean, when did when did DC or sorry, Marvel uh, get bought by Disney? I should know that I'm a Disney file, but I do not know that off the top of my head. I want to say it was before. Iron it's Man 2000. Day. It's 2009, and no, it came out. It was after. The whole reason they bought Marvel was because was Iron because Man just Iron did Man so well. Successful, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. So okay, six years later, the mouse owns them, and that's it. No more crossovers because they don't want to promote anyone else's product. Is the thing, and there, there it is. So hey, go get those old crossovers, kids. They're classics now. Oh ask, man, I think I told that this story. I had I had my I could have had my hands on an X-Men Teen Titans for like a dollar. And because I didn't go through the box because I didn't go through the box thoroughly enough. And some other kid pulled it right out in front of my face. And I basically smashed my face on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the original, not the reprint. Yeah, And that was that was the uh, Dark Side and Dark Phoenix team. up. Right. I did, however, learn that it's actually not that expensive a book it's like 15 bucks or at least it was a few years ago yeah but that would be one definitely in the collection that you'd want to have because that's Mm -hmm. it was a cool story back then because that was both of those books were the number ones for both of the companies at the time yep so that was like wow and that's where where i think they got the idea of doing the jla avengers and then it got all caught up into craziness and i'm glad that we actually got to wait on that one because the story wouldn't have been nearly as good i don't think had we not if it had been the you. 80s Avengers and the 80s Justice League? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was written with, the, if you see the pages, it was written for the satellite JLA. So it was pre-crisis, because per- Perez was already working on the art, because it was a done deal, quote-unquote. 
Yeah, there were about a dozen so, pages. So, it, so it wasn't going to be Vibe and Gypsy and Martian no. Manhunter? No. Well, Martian Manhunter was going to be in it, but it was. Yeah, yeah. Like, all the satellite Justice Leaguers and the classic Avengers Mansion Avengers. You know, before everybody, and they, they took advantage of that, Kurt Busiek really took advantage of all the teams changing and the weirdness that happened in the JLA Avengers crossover, which I loved. The water base that the Avengers had, the Detroit <laughs> warehouse the Justice League was in, and all the craziness. So, yeah. I, I'm glad we waited for that crossover, but it's kind of sad that there there are no more crossovers. We never got the Legion Guardians of the Galaxy crossover. Or I'm the I don't think that's actually what I would crossover. I'm not sure if that's what I actually would want mm. if I was to have a Legion crossover with Marvel. I almost want to say I'd rather have like Legion Fantastic Four or like. Definitely not the uh, Imperial Guard. Definitely not. You don't yeah. want to see with each other. I suppose I suppose X-Men in general would be the better play. It's just that they've been done. Well, and X-Men, have, I mean, right now. Like I say to people, and this is actually how the podcast started. Uh, someone complained that Legion was too difficult to to follow. I'm like, do you read X Men? Hmm. And that was back in 2000. Now, like I always say, God. <laughs> Le- Legion is one title, except for that brief time it was two. Well, Whereas X Men is about a thousand. Yeah, it's been two titles several times, but yeah, X Men. They Marvel rode that pony into the ground, and after Chris Claire, Claremont left. It was it was painfully obvious no one had a plan for these characters. It became very much let's do superhero poses and not worry about the plot and the plot matters and people left the books. You can't you can't have eight X Men books in a month without plot. D- d- wasn't just, it Jim? Wasn't it Jim Lee and Claremont Buttonheads that got Claremont off the book? I, I don't know why Claremont left, but Claremont was pushed out. And I know that, he, that he wrote some to, of those early Jim Lee issues. Well, I was I was in a panel with uh, Fabian Nicenza and Chris Claremont and John Byrne. And John Byrne got angry with Fabian saying, you know what happened to this man. You know what pushed him out. And it's like, wow. <laughs> it got tense up on that dais. And it was it was pretty brutal for a couple of minutes there because – Fabian was like one of the head editors at Marvel, so he couldn't say anything about it because that's the company's line, you know? And it was around that time when X-Men number one had come out and, you know, everyone was like, oh, X-Men, woo, so popular. So Chris Claremont was at Dragon Con and there was a there was a panel about it and then that yelling happened because <laughs> John Byrne wasn't taking anybody's crap because he was John Byrne, right? So, and he was drawing Wonder Woman, I think, at the time. For DC. And, but when you've got that huge host of characters and you've got a guy who's been writing them for 20 years and doesn't have writer's block like poor Wolfman got with the Titans. Right. You, you want him to keep on doing good work and cultivating those characters. That's his universe. Well, my get, well, just my guess is remember how the 90s were, especially that time at Marvel. Artists got a lot of like power. Oh, yeah, because they became the household names. And unfortunately, as you know, important as Claremont is, uh, I suspect not being a marquee name was probably the big problem. And probably so. Egos. Egos always ruin it. Yeah. Well, they threw the baby out with the bathwater, didn't they? It's like the artists. I mean, I always think of it. It's a collaboration. The writer 
and the artist should be working together. It should not be one over the other, period. But we we fully know <laughs> that that's not how it works. And the, the editors are like, who's selling the book? Is it the is it the writer or the artist? Odds are the artists t- tend to be more famous and more noteworthy than the writers do. Well, we know that, you know, Claremont worked well with Silvestri because he drew the book for a while there, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an X-Men reader. I'm not reader, sure. I'm not sure. Um, but I, someone, I, someone showed me some Silvestri X-Men art and I thought it was like the best art I'd seen on X-Men. Cause it, but, it, but then people said, no, that's really rough. And I said, no, that's why I like it. <laughs> well, I, I think some of it also has to do with, um, just egos in the business at that level in the eighties and nineties. Right. With, with, with the young kids coming up. I don't know if Jim Lee's ego was that big at the time. Cause he was just getting famous at the time, but they put him on X-Men number one. So yeah. the company was clearly like, Hey, here's our artist for X-Men. And Liefeld had done new mutants before then. What the, heck, then did, all- what the heck did Lee do before X-Men? I actually I have no I don't idea. Even don't even know. That's the first time I remember seeing his name anywhere. Yeah, me too. Rightly. But I know that there was enough going on in the background. And there's actually a documentary about Claremont, I think, on Netflix. Oh, yeah? Um, Yeah. Let me tippy-tap at that. Called something about, like, The Secret World of Chris Claremont or something like that. But it's got, um, oh, Anne Nocenti and Louise Simonson, who used to edit the X-Men books. And they go into what happened on X-Men and why Chris left. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, ever since the the Mutant Massacre story that happened, like, right around when I started getting into comics, every year you had to do another big X-Men Mutant crossover event. And so it became every year you were leading up to this new event. And it always had to be bigger. It always had to be grander. It always had to be, you know, had to sell more. And after a while, these things no longer are organic stories. They're not things you get to build up. I mean, editorial tells you, you will do this. Yeah. It, well, it's it's kind of like when Levitt set himself up when in Legion, after Great Darkness Saga, I've got to do another big multi-part saga. And unfortunately, the follow-up to that was really Prophet Nomen was the next big multi-part story that wasn't like a subplot continuum, but this was like, here's, here's this monstrous threat. And it got solved in three issues with two backups um, that weren't involved in the story. And the, the villains weren't that great, you know, but then he, he did LSH LSV, which was huge hit story-wise with the, uh, the fan base. And it, not every big multi-part story is going to be a hit. Right. You know, but when you're when you're told by editorial, you must have one and it must cross over into all of these other books like New Warriors and Avengers and Thor and Silver Surfer and blah, blah, blah. It's like, how do you tie all these characters together organically in a story without making its own like Infinity Gauntlet, its own standalone story? You know, so I I can see the difficulties (laughs) in trying to get that to work. X-Men versus Power Pack. Watch them battle it out. Really? Who cares? power pack you know i could see an x-men alpha flight crossover any day of the week because that's organic wolverine's the tie there right and they have mutants they got northwind and, a, and a, or north star and aurora so well, that funny you should mention 
funny you should mention Alpha Flight because that mm-hmm. appears to be uh, Jim Lee's first work for Marvel. Ah, well, there you go. Uh, he did Alpha Flight from basically issue 51 to around 70. Uh, that was like 1987 to 1989. And then uh, in late 89, he moved over to X Men. Gotcha. Huh. His first X Men 248 in September 89. So he was on X Men for a while before they went to number one with that with that reboot. Right. Well, it, it was a second title. Well, it was true. The, the adjective list X Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As they called it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uncanny versus X Men. Yeah. Wow. Comicsology is like really missing a lot of Alpha Flight. Hmm. <clears throat> They're missing some weird stuff in runs, I find, on Comixology. And yeah. if Amazon's going to take them over, I have no idea when they're going to fill the gaps, if ever. So. Well, it's, it almost always comes down to the publisher. In Marvel's case, stuff only appears when they put up, like, uh, collections, reprinting stuff, and then they'll mm-hmm. fill in all the holes. And I guess uh, reprinting Alpha Flight is not a priority. No. Probably and not. He, uh, he, he moved over to the... Adjective list X Men in 1991. He ah. basically basically spent about two years doing Uncanny, mm-hmm. along with a few other things: Punisher, Transformers, Alpha Flight, you know, random stuff here and there. And then he left the book. What issue six or seven or something like that? Uh, with regular X Men. Yeah. Uh, eleven. Okay, eleven. And then so, a year. They, and they and found then, an image. image. Yep. Yeah, and after that was Image. He was doing Wildcats, um, starting up Wildcats at the uh, at the time when he was finishing up X Men. Wow! Welcome to Jim Lee Cast, everybody. I was going to say Marvel Cast, but oh, that too. Or X Men Cast. Or crossover DC Marvel crossover Cast. <laughs> well, the point is this, we haven't had one in a while, so. Well, this this issue that we're going to talk about is mm-hmm. a crossover. Ooh, that's it's true. a crossover it between is. the Le- between the Legion and Valor. That's very true. We should get into this issue. So, Derek, are you ready? I am indeed. Oh, I'm glad you didn't go to sleep during that tangent. Good sir. Oh, Good, no. sir. That's all right. <laughs> so today we're going to Valor number seventeen, DOA number six, and on the cover it says a love that will last until the end of time, and we see Glorus crying holding the lifeless body of Valor and she's watched by a horrified alchemist Brainiac 5 and Triad and we open up on a splash page Wait, before we before oh, we go on sorry yes yes uh, I forgot so the cover is penciled by Colleen Duran who is doing the interior art but inked by Terry Austin and I looked it up and they only uh Terry only inked Colleen um Three other times, there was a seven-page Dazzler Rogue story in Marvel Fanfare in 1988. Uh, they did a Captain Adam story in his title in, in uh, March of 91. Uh, they did the Cheshire profile in the Who's Who in the DCU, the Loose Leaf series in 91. And then this cover in March of 94. And that was it for Colleen Duran, Terry Austin. Cool. So we open up on a splash page 
with Valor holding a purple gem, and he can see inside this gem an image of himself, all healthy and hale. And off-panel, Glorith is saying, take a good look, Valor. Look at the man who used to be and can be again. And now we have a double splash page, and we have some Legionnaires. We have Brainiac 5, Triad, Cosmic Boy, Dragon Mage, Alchemist, Valor, who's looking rather unwell, and Ultra Boy and Saturn Girl, who have been aged by Glorith. And Glorith is there, and her cape is all swirly. Brainiac 5 yells, Glorith! Triad says, it's a trick, Valor. You mustn't listen to her. And Glorith says, don't confuse the poor dear legionnaires. He hasn't time to ponder my offer. The clock is ticking, Lagand. Thanks to my magics, you've but minutes to live. Only I can save you from certain death, and I will, provided you pledge your new life to my services. Mm. So it, it is DOA Part 6, The Tyranny of Time. Story by Mark Wade, pencils Colleen Duran, inks Misha McDowell and Colleen Duran, letterer Bob Pinaha, colorist Dave Graff, assistant editor Mike McAvenny, editor KC Carlson. When did uh, when did Glorith become um, uh, German or German? German. That that dates back to when Brent and I did our Devil's Half Dozen. And I chose Glorith on my half dozen um, because we needed somebody who was a, a sorceress type person. And I decided that she spoke with a German accent hmm. back then. So I, I have followed through the German accent with the Glorith. Oh, okay. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was only uh, the, the Kuns who were German. No, no, Kuns are Russian. Ah, Daxamites are German though, right? No, Daxamites, are, South Daxamites are, are sort of Russianish, vaguely. Uh, well, okay then. <laughs> They're more like Lithuanian. I need, I need to update my spreadsheet then. Sorry. <laughs> you have a spreadsheet? He's of got a spreadsheet for spreadsheet. everything. Don't ask him. Don't ask him. <laughs> Welcome to Spreadsheet Cast, everybody. Woot. Uh, so, Valor says, "You, you did this to me. I, I thought you loved me." I do, says Glorith. That's the beauty of it all. Alchemist cries out, Stop it! Stop torturing him! If Valor won't fight you, we will. And Satin Girl is using her thought-casting um, abilities and is linked up with the Legionnaires and says, Alchemist, no, she's too powerful. Even Ultra Boy wasn't quick enough to evade her aging spells. Everyone freeze and wait for my telepathic signal. Glorith is toying with us, waiting for our move. Only one of us can surprise her, and that's Triad. Me? Thinks Triad. What can I do? Glorith counts only seven legionnaires, says Satin Girl. Send your triplicates after her, and you can ambush her from behind while she's watching us. And in the background, Triad splits into three, and one flanks left and one flanks right. Meanwhile, Valor and Glorus continued their conversation. How, how could you do this to me now? How long have you been planning this? Since before we met, 
since the moment I first learned of you and realized how perfectly your, your incalculable power would complement my own, and now Glorus becomes recap less. In order, <laughs> in order to seize your strength, I first exploited my your own weakness, the blood serum that protected you from the toxic lead poisoning. During one of your early adventures, Valor number two, I secretly used my time spells to age and cripple the serum in your body and watched from afar as your powers tried to compensate, taking on a life of their own, which is Valor's 5 to 11 from the editorial box. And Valor says, my failing powers, they were the first sign of illness. I went to Cairn, hoping the Legion could provide a diagnosis, and you followed me? So better to take an active role, my dear. In order to observe your first hand, I next took a form that was innocent and frail, and then baited you into action by conjuring a Dino beast from Cairn's distant past, which was Valor number 12. I counted upon you to rescue me from the, its fun, thundering fury, but frankly, I never expected you to do it with a grace and a charm that had my pulse racing. Mm. As you lifted me in your arms, I felt the stirring of victory and of something deeper. You felt it too. As Lori, I'd stolen your heart. Once that was in hand, your soul followed and my plan blossomed. It took Dino Beasts. It took Time Warriors. It took the conquest of an entire world, which was seen in Valor's issues 2 to 15. But I have finally sapped your strengths completely and utterly. Valor says, I, I don't un understand. We saved the planet Baldur. And behind Glor Glorus, two of the triads are ready to pounce. Glorus continues, not saved conquered and with what glory think of it in mere days we took control of an entire world valor falls to his knees and glorus takes his chin in her hand our first kingdom but not our last taste the wonder of tomorrow la what we've done on baldo we can achieve throughout the cosmos imagine what it'd be like to rest any throne lead any armada Side by side, we can hold sway over the universe as we be gods. For an infinite time, you can grasp infinite power. Okay, and we got to talk about this art here. <laughs> yes. It, so, I don't know has, what in the Frank Frazetta is going on here, but... <laughs> Gloris is using her powers to project um, potential futures of Valor conquering the universe. Um, yes, Frank Rosetta. I also thought John Carter, Warlord of Mars. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. I, I I don't know how I like Monel with the full on mullet, John Bon Jovi hair there. <laughs> well, don't forget that you know Colleen Duran specializes in fantasy type artwork like this. So in in smoldering. Oh, very smoldering, very smoldering. Yeah, I should have I should have recognized. I forgot that she was the the artist on this, but it just looks so like um remember um Andre Norton's covers? 
on on some of the pulpy sci-fi um, paperbacks of the time. It reminds me of that, like very Warlord of Mars, like like you said, Derek, very much like Monel Conqueror of Baldur, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, for, for all, all he's missing as... is a gun, a space laser gun in his hand, you know, to make it complete. <laughs> uh, Frazetta is a good inspiration. Also, um, uh, what's in that? The the guy who shoot, I forgot his name. Um, he was like a, a protege. Uh, Mary Julie Bell, who is uh, another famous fantasy artist. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, damn it. Yeah, go, go yeah. look it up. Go look I have to up. look it up quick. Yep. And there are a lot of guys who who draw this type of this type of art, but I think Frank Frazetta is probably the one we all know the most about. He's very famous ah. the barbarian look. Yeah, for sure. Bor- Boris Vallejo. That's what. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, oh, Vallejo. Yes. Totally. Yeah. And he is very well known. He's as well known as as Frazetta. So I take that back. They're kind of tied, aren't they? I just wasn't thinking about him at all. They both used to have um, calendars that would come out every year. Yep. And I, I bought several of them during the eighties. Ah, see, there you go. All right. So Gloris continues on, but not from the grave. You don't have to die, La. With my time power, I can reactivate your lead serum. And Dragon Mage is preparing a spell. Cosmic Boy is getting his magnetic powers on. Glorus continues, I can restore your health. I can give you new life. Satin Girl thinks, ready, Legionnaires, ready. Glorus continues more. All I ask is that you take my hand. Take it, La. Take it. And Glorus senses the triads behind her, and she turns and zaps at them. Foolish girl, you think you can skulk behind Glorus? And one triad is aged, and one triad is reduced to a small child. Alchemist, Cosmic Boy, and Dragon Mage attack. No, triads down, shouts Satin Girl, but Glorus distracted. Get her. But Glorus is able to um, defend herself from Alchemist, uh, and I think Dragon Mage needs a splort sound effect going there. Yeah, splort. Uh, Valor's on his hands and knees, and he goes, no, stop fighting. And he grabs Glorith by the hat by the wrist. You don't have to hurt them. And then he takes Glorith's hand in his and stands up beside her. After all, if they want to get you, they'll have to go through me first. And Vala, uh, Alchemist screams, no, Vala, no. And Vala takes Glorith in his arms and they fly off together. Leave them, he says. We have things to do, worlds of things. And the Legionnaires are left to tr- recover. Mm. Alchemist that's, says. That's convenient. It is. Alchemist says, we're, we're back to normal. Glorith must have forgotten about us. Let her hold slip. Triad says, that's because she got what she came for. La! And Glorus has created a purple swirly portal thing and they've <laughs> gone through it to some other part of Baldur. Then you've come around? You've finally seen the light? Absolutely, says Vala. And Glorus says, look then, let me show you the promise of the future. And we have more fantasy valors from the future these one of these is actually wielding a sword too 
Mm. And it looks like he's at the head of an army that have got laser white rifles. So it's yeah, very like much the stylized V there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Dar Darren, there's your uh, your fantasy guys with guns and swords. Totally, totally. There we are. Yeah. Yep. Tell you, I did not read this issue. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> and even the the dead guy at um, Warrior Valor's feet looks a little bit like a. A, a John Carter Martian, except he's only got two arms. He's got the green skin and the, the gold wristbands. Um, Glorus continues. It's all ours. Endless conquest and infinite rule, unbridled power and unquestioned authority. For a thousand times and more, we'll hold the very cosmos in our hands, I'll be a mortal, and so will you, Lar. After all, time is on your side. And Valor says, Well, Glorith, uh, that's where you're mistaken. And we cut back to the Legionnaires. Brainy is going, Interesting. And Ultra Boy goes, Interesting? That's all you can say? This isn't an intellectual exercise, Brainy. You gotta love the fact that they're, they're doing this in, in front of Kirby Crackle. All yeah. blown up. <laughs> well, that's what, the time stream, that's what the time stream looks like. Oh, yeah. I thought it was rainbows. Don't you take only my rainbow away from me. Only when you're traveling through time. Ah, uh, fair if you, enough. If you're on this limbo planet, then there's Kirby Crackle. Mm-hmm. Cosmic Boy gets his time to uh, extrapolate. It's a meaning of life and death. We came for the 20th century to save Valor, not to stand by and watch him sell his soul away. None of what we've seen agrees with what we know of Valor's career. He's not supposed to have thrown in with Glorith. As an adult, he's destined to... To... To, to what? I... I can't remember. Satin Girl cries, To seed the planets that will someday become our homeworlds. Brainy, Valor's still fading from memory. History itself is dissolving. Impossible, says Brainy. The laws of time are immutable. And they, the Legionnaires fly off into the purple swirly thing. Alchemist says, you say, but take it from me. All things are subject to change. Come on, we've got to help Valor before it's too late for all of us. And we cut back to Valor still flying with Glorith in his arms. Glorith says, you're not joining me? No, I'm not. You just wanted to draw me away from the Legionnaires. How about that? You know me better than I thought, Glorith. I know everything about you, darling. I've seen you perform. Watched you play to the natives. Admit it, we both thrive on adoration and worship. And that's the difference between us. I'm not proud of it and they're flying over the natives of Baldur. You nearly had me, though. You nearly had me, though, manipulating an entire planet just to tempt me, letting me liberate the people of Baldur just so that we could lord their freedom away. I can still take it without you, La. I can. I... No, you can't. You need me, and I need you. That's the bargain. And it's no bargain at all and he's got sweat pouring down his face now. The Legionnaires have flown out of the purple swirly thing. I'm trailing them telepathically, says Satin Girl. Follow me, hurry. 
triad says, Brainy, how can you of all of us not understand the danger? Valor is about to die, and when he does, we'll all cease to exist. Then he won't die, says Brainy. Dragon Mage says, how can you say that? Did you get a good look at him? He's on his last legs. His story isn't over yet, Dragon Mage, replies Valor, uh, Brainy. Valor has all, his, all the power of all history behind him. Brainy's right, says Coz. Time as we know it can't be altered. Our continued existence is proof. After all, without Valor, how could we ever have been born? And Cosmic Boy fades out of existence. Cosmic Boy, cries Triad. He's gone, shouts Alchemist. Don't worry, it's only a momentary distortion, says Brainy. The time stream will right itself. Valor cannot die. Damn it, he's right, says Ultra Boy. Come on. Valor and Glorus land on a rocky promontory. I don't believe it. You misjudged. I misjudged you. Maybe not. Every moment in the end, yeah. But if you want to rule the galaxy, Glorith, uh, and he collapses to his knees, you'll have to do it alone. Mm. Don't turn from me, Lar. You're too close to death. You can, sa you can save me, Glorith. You can change me back to the way I was. If you change yourself, tell me that you know this is wrong. That tyranny and corruption are evils to fight, not goals to come to covet. That you love me more than that you love the power. And Gloris' expression on her face softens as she realizes what Lara is saying. I can't, she says. Congratulations, La. You win and you lose. You know, I won't cure you. And he looks up at her. I wouldn't let you. Not at the price you're asking. I'd rather die free than live under your spell. Damn you, La Gant. Damn you. And they kiss. And the legionnaires arrive. Oh, no, I've skipped a page. They kiss. And Gloria says, I said it before, and it's still true. You're still the bravest man I ever met. Goodbye, Lar. Goodbye, Bori. And he dies in her arms. The legionnaires arrive. Satin Girl says, no, oh no, we're too late. His mind, it's dark, he's gone. And Brainy loses it. He screams and grabs Glorith by the throat. No! Brainy, shouts Ultra Boy. Brainy, stop. This can't be happening, shouts Brainy. Don't you realize what you've done? And behind them, the purple swirly thing starts to fracture. Brainy keeps shouting, you've shattered the very laws of time and the consequences. And Ultra Boy still has to hold him back and Alchemist is trying to calm him down. Meanwhile, through the purple swirly thing, a hand emerges. And then Ultra Boy fades out. Joe, cries Triad. This is only the start, says Brainy. Once the time-space continuum unravels, it will take all reality with it. And out of the purple swirly thing, we can see a shadowy figure with a big cape blowing in the wind. Brainy continues. You have to fix this. You have to fix it now. Bring Valor back. I, I, I can't, says Glorith. I can bend the time stream, but I can't repair it. No one can. 
then what happens? Cries Triad. What happens now? That, says a voice off screen, is an excellent question. And there is Valor in all his Monel glory. Mm. Next, the vanishing. Dun, dun, very, dun. very puny cape clasps, though. Yeah, so this is his... <laughs> this is the original one. <laughs> yeah, this is his 30th century costume, his traditional one, not the 20th century creation that uh, that we saw in the beginning of the book. So I wonder who this Valor could be. I know I read the previous issue, or the next issue already. <laughs> I'm, I'm up it, to date. Is there going to be a crisis of infinite Valors? Uh, could uh, very well be. Could very well be, Yes. Actually, I think there might be. <gasps> yeah, we got a little Valoring going on next issue. Valors will not. live. Valors will die. <laughs> and Valor will never be the same again. <laughs> so we uh, there we have to uh, take drinks for uh, dead legionnaires. That's uh, true. Cosmic Boy, Valor, and Ultra Boy. They, they does, are erased from. Does, it, does getting time erased count as a death? Two are, two are time erased. One is dead. And so it's not that's, to get better. So take a drink they for that. Are, they are all really and truly dead and never going to get better. Truth. Nah, just pining for the fjords. Oh, pining for the there fjords. And that is the only Monty Python quote I know. Really? I'm not uh, very well versed. After, <laughs> after all the things that we've said over all the years, you've never picked up on... I mean, to be honest, uh, most of the stuff you say is the substitute academy. All right. <laughs> Monty Python is is a required freshman class. At least Jim knows about the Norwegian blue. He does know about I the do. blue. Beautiful plumage. Beautiful plumage. <laughs> it's the parrot sketch, folks. Go go watch it on YouTube. It's hilarious. <laughs> Ah, anywho, well, that's that's the Valor issue all wrapped up. So, hey, Michael, you have any uh, words of wisdom from uh, the Beer Vellum faction? I do. Excellent. Um, let's see. This first one is actually not from the blog itself. Mm. Well, yeah, actually it is. Um, so uh, in the there was an entry in which Tom talked about what they wrote in the 2995 source book as opposed to what he wrote in the comics. Mm. And um, uh, if you have the source book handy, this comes from page 80, and it is from the uh, SW6 Brainiac 5, uh, where he's talking about, uh, he says the most obvious, well, the, the question is uh, about who is the original Legion and who are the non-original ones. And so SW6 Brainy says the most obvious avenue towards resolution would seem to be investigation into the past through the time stream. If we are indeed the original Legionnaires abducted from our role in history against our wills, our ultimate place is in that time, and we would eventually have to risk a journey back. So this was fake written on May 20th, 2995. And according to my timeline that I've been keeping since the beginning of the uh, the series, uh, Valor goes back in time three days later. So that kind of uh, kind of jives there. So Tom says that the um, the entry by Brainy also sets up the attempt by the SW6 Valor 
to enter the time stream and investigate the past, at which point he disappears in a blinding flash of purple-tinged lightning, a trademark of Glorith's time manipulations, and he's lost to his SW6 teammates and will next be seen in the pages of his own spinoff. And so Jim and I went back to look at uh, issue 37, where he actually did go back in time, and there was not, in fact, a blinding flash of purple-tinged lightning. Uh, and what was it, Jim, that you said about uh, what Tom must have been thinking there? Oh, oh, right, uh, Superboy pounding up in the walls of the hypertime. There you go. Yeah, I got there. Uh, and then I went back to the original entry for issue 37. Tom never mentions Valor going back in time, so we don't know what uh, they had originally intended for Valor, but uh, he might be. This might be the SW6 version showing up. Might not. We'll find out. Uh, so Dragon Mage is here in this issue, mm -hmm. and Tom says he's actually a version of a Franklin Richards character from a story Mary was involved in in her early Appa days. Later, Mary and I updated that new Fantastic Four into our. Appa fiction series called Vagabond 4, and he was an Asian-American named James. The general idea was that he had immense powers but not the skills to control them, so his challenge wasn't generating enough power but enough control. Blocked out of his memory with some tragic events from earlier in his life where he failed to adequately control his powers. It was frustrating to learn that Ty, uh, sorry, that Shy timid Asians are considered a stereotype because that was basically our handle on Dragon Mage. So we played down the shyness a little, but it didn't significantly change what we had in mind for him. As for his origin, we had, we had a pretty involved backstory for him, but he's basically just a very talented mystic born with so much power that the problem was never not having enough power, but always having too much and trying to harness it. We probably won't discuss too much of his backstory since there's no reason now that we can't use it on some other original character. Uh, Monel and Shadowlass, if you remember, uh, right after the Earth exploded or right before they went off to, uh, to hang out on some planet somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom says, I think we had to keep our hands off Valor because he had his own book. And they wanted to minimize confusion between that Valor and the one in our books. We generally wanted to play up Shady as a formidable woman with some shadowy facets to her character. I see what they did there. Yuck, yuck. Uh, left over from the hostile world she came from. Kind of a tension between the legendary nobility of Valor and the tough, sometimes cutthroat code that Shady had learned in the struggles on Talak 8 between the city people and the hill people. Uh, Saturn Girl, who is also in this issue, uh, he talks about how much he liked Saturn Girl during the adventure run and how he thought she was the best leader of the team. Uh, by the time we got involved in the Legion's creative team, things had really changed. Keith's plans for the five-year gap had Saturn Girl out of the Legion and raising kids on Winneth, so there was no chance to lobby in any way to put her back in a leadership position. And Keith had a compelling alternative feeling about the Legion's leadership that really makes more sense, that the Legion's first two-term leader and its first leader overall, Cosmic Boy, was really the more natural, appropriate leader. 
Deep down, it doesn't really feel that way to me, given the unique combination of early issues that formed my Legion prejudices, but I think objectively Keith's approach makes more sense. So by the time we were doing the Legionnaire series with the clone kids, and we had the chance to lobby for whoever we wanted uh, as leader, it made more sense to go with Cosmic Boy and stick with what had been done during the Keith, Tom and Mary, Al Gordon run of the mother book. But I have a feeling if you analyze the roles we gave Imra over the years, you'd probably find that she illustrated a good deal of leadership while never officially holding a leadership role. And in my mind, she's much too considerate and empathetic to be second-guessing and resenting those who do have the formal leadership responsibilities, just a determination to be as big a help as possible. And uh, let's see, last issue, we saw uh, the entity who looks like a time trapper talking to Glorith uh, in the future. Uh, and Tom says, I think the original plan was to indeed kill off the time trapper in our Legion number four, but in the middle of that issue, the edict came down that we could no longer use the Superman references in the Legion. With several storylines in the works that related to Legion history, we made the decision, questionable in retrospect, to break apart Legion history, take Superboy out, and then reassemble the pieces with Valor in his place. So when the Time Trapper died, all his machinations collapsed with him, and the timeline went back to its original course, behind, but before the Time Trapper started pulling, string, pulling strings like the pocket universe. Suddenly, the Mordru-dominated universe, which was the real original timeline according to our story, reasserted itself as seen in issue five. Thus, the struggle to recreate Time Trapper's manipulations as exactly as possible uh, Valor replaces Superboy, Glorath assumes the powers of Time Trapper, and once again we see R.J. Brand pulled into the 30th century in exchange for Kenya, uh, and put the timeline back together as close to the original Legion timeline as possible. It all worked great, except we never addressed the fact that a key Superman story featured the old Legion and Time Trapper, and logically that story now never took place, or it took place somehow with Valor and Glorath replacing Superboy and Time Trapper. As was to be expected, there was no willingness on the part of the Superman creators <laughs> to explain or alter Superman's storyline to accommodate our problems, nor should there have been. So we were instructed to change our explanation with a Glorith Time Trapper scene in the back of issue 12 that muddled things to the point where even we didn't understand what was supposed to have happened. Uh, apparently it was at this point that behind the scenes and with no attempt to let Keith or us know, the decision was made above us to wipe out everything with a zero-hour type event and start over. Mm -hmm. If there had been any interest in what we'd thought, we'd have suggested that we just wait till the right time and have Time Trapper resurrect himself, reassert his, his original manipulations in that timeline, and return Legion continuity to exactly its original course. Maybe even Superman could have experienced some time quakes or something, until the Time Trapper's return would restore the key events to his segment of the timeline, and everything settled back to where it once was. So that's kind of interesting, is that they, they had plans for negating what the Superman office told them to do and get back to the original timeline with Superboy and Mon-El and not Valor, but things got zero-houred before that. 
Yep, what a shocker. Once again, the greatest villains of the Legion of Superheroes, DC Editorial. And uh, that are some things that that are. Those are some things that uh, Tom Beerbaum had to say this week. Or about Well, them. you know, you know, one one thing that you mentioned there is when he talks about Shadowlass, I'm glad that they they do pick up on that more barbaric, you know, she comes from a very harsh world where there's this group of people who live in a city and a group of people up in the hills and it's it's almost seems like it is a very um on the brink of civil war at any moment kind of a world right um doesn't feel like there's a lot of um i guess you would say resources it it seems like a desert every time we see talak eight it's a it's a desert up in the hills and mountains and it's um it's not what you would call lush when we see it in the city. It's all just regular construction like you would see Metropolis, but maybe a little um, more primitive. And I think it's interesting that we see her as Umbra in the um, Archie Legion as more of that um, barbarian style fighter. And then that gets carried over into the three boot. Well, in this timeline, also don't forget that that's why they had uh, Grev Maller from the city people, Mary Lady Memory of the Hill People. Yep, trying to foment a forged peace, so to speak. And prevent the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And maybe it worked for a bit. I mean, we didn't get any story that said it didn't, but you got to imagine that was a that was a tense uh, bedroom for sure. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, well that's cool. So a- anything going on in, in the um, the history books this uh, this day, Mr. Michael? Uh, we have some things. Uh, do you want to do trivia first, or you want to do history yeah? We first? can we can do trivia first. Sure. Yeah, this was some right. trivia. Oh, we're all good. All right, everybody, everybody, put your thinking caps on and your trivia caps. Um. Okay. Question. Actually, I've got ten questions. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And you're going to pick five of them. Okay. <laughs> so pick a number one through ten. Four. Question number four. Uh, in any version of the Legion, which Legionnaire's powers were based in some way on magic? And I identified one, two, three, four, five, six of them, but there may be more. Okay. Uh, magical Legionnaire. So we're talking Projectra. One. Uh, White Witch. Two. Dragon uh, Mage. Dragon Mage. Three. Um, and I'm guessing if White Witch is again in like the Bendis boot, that doesn't count, right? It's got to be original Does, Legionnaires. No, no, it's it, it's just oh. they're 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 considered the same the same version. Okay. Gotcha. So kinetics. That's four. Thunder. Five. Bop 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 bop. And I came up with one more. Are we supposed to help, or is it just Darren? No, it can, be, it can be a group effort. It's a group yeah. effort. Doctor, Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate, yeah. Oh, forgot about him. All right. So, ah, so oh, there's okay. seven. Uh, then there's seven. Um, is it Harmonia? Well, we never got her origin, right? But I, I can never remember what her powers were. It, she was she was a elemental. And we never got elemental? the origin, really, for mm. Dragon Wing, either. Who seemed didn't she do? More... Didn't she do acid though? Acid she did science. Acid and fire. Breath mm. was what she did. 
I did I, not I have... get a sense that she was magical, but I don't think we ever got an origin for her. I don't think so either. <coughs> That's I did not have uh, was it Dragon Wing. Yeah, is that it? I did not have that one on my list, but I don't if... think we got an origin. Maybe we'll call Phil Jimenez and find out what her deal is uh, one day. But, um, but I've got one other that uh... would we consider Dream Girl. So this precognition, and sometimes it's no, because everybody had that power. Everybody had it. It's not. It's not specific to her. Gotcha. Yeah. I just know sometimes it's it's oh. like she's a mystical-ish character in a way. Is it Glorith two? That was the other one that I. Yeah, said. that that makes sense. Yeah, Glorith two. Yeah. Yeah. Her powers were a little bit nebulous as well, though, right? But yeah. I'm I'm expecting that if she's named Glorith, then. Yeah. That name was chosen for a reason. I always and the thought right. po- and powers yeah. are magic. I had a feeling we were going to get a, a redo of a time trapper at some point during that run, had it continued, but it did not continue. So, okay, went so, away. so so that said, uh, that is your one Oops. for one. Question number four. So, Jim, you want to pick the next question? Da 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 da. Uh, four. That was, <laughs> that was question four. Oh right. Uh, <laughs> Nine. Question Two. number nine. Yep. Uh, what is the name of Gim Allen's sister? <laughs> he had a sister in a Gimifer. A Gimifer. <laughs> I will take another question, please. Um, <laughs> he had a brother I, in the three boot. That's correct, and he was an only uh, child in the original version. Yeah, he he had a he had a brother who was supposedly gay in the three boot. We never we never saw him. Um, I don't know what his sister's name is, except maybe Esther. They kept the Jewish thing going. Uh, that Esther. was not it. Okay, well that was that was just a shot in the dark, kid. So I've got nothing right, on well, this one. I will. I, I know is it's he, not going to be. Is she from? Is she from the reboot? Yes. All right. <laughs> and I know it's not going to be much of a hint because nobody read this, but <laughs> she was only seen in the Legion of Science Police miniseries. Oh wow! Oh. <laughs> she was one of the two lead characters in that in that book. What an impression that book left! And and her entire history is in those four issues, or her comics history, meaning she never appeared anywhere else. Ever again. I think we'll just call this one a stump, unless you want me yeah, to rattle that, off every that, female that, name no. I know. That one's a stump, <laughs> yeah. All right, her name was Driana. Driana, we would never would have gone there, so okay. I would not have gotten it either, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was researching something else for the Legion history that I even remembered that she was a character. Mm. Much less that she was his sister. Yeah, fair enough. So, so I would have stumped myself had I not read it. Uh, all right, Derek. Two. One through t- two. Um, what was the very first recurring villain that the Legion encountered? And recurring oh. meaning this character, this villain, uh, appeared a second time. I want to say Luthor. Okay. Did he so, show up so, twice? But, 
but so I, say don't it. Know if, I don't know if you consider him a Legion villain, per se, or a Superboy villain. Uh, but did the Legion encounter him multiple Twice. times? Oh, I'm sure they have. At, he, some, at it, some point. There was once when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. and then adult Luther appeared with the uh, with Superman and the adult Legion of Supervillains. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Luther appeared... Right, so he that wasn't early a second time. Huh. Well, then, then I'm going to go with the LSV. Anybody else have a guess? Or are you going to, mm, or is that your final I'm thinking answer? LSV was my gut reaction because they did. It was either Luthor or LSV because they were like the, the two that were re- introduced first. Like that, that became recurring villains, I believe. I was thinking Lightning Lord is a specific one. Yeah. And maybe it is Lightning Lord, but well, um, I, mean, I, I may have the three of them are always together. So, so well, I... that's not true actually, because Lightning Lord appeared in the trio in the Adult Legion story, and then the next time you see him, you see him with uh, the school story, but without the other two. All right, I, I think I may have confused you with my worry with my wording. <laughs> what I was looking for is the first villain that appeared twice. Not the first one that that they not, encountered. Not the first that they again that saw later. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that that does clear that up. Yes. In that, in that case, I would go to with Universo. Uh, Universo didn't appear until three forty-eight. Hmm. But didn't he appear like again very shortly after that? Not very shortly. Okay. Well. All right. I'm giving this one up. I had three good guesses. Anybody else? <laughs> um, I don't know. Luther and Luther and Lightning Lord are kind of my only guesses. The L's. Jungle the- King. Jungle King. Yeah, baby. Craven the oh. Hunter. <laughs> um, close. Grimble. Oh wait, close. Is it the? Is it uh? Is it Beast Boy? Nope. Okay. Uh, the uh, if Paul's there, do you want to guess? If Paul's not there, then don't guess. Not guessing. Yeah, I don't have any idea. No. All right. Well, the answer is a time trapper. Really? <laughs> he was he was mentioned in Adventure three eighteen, and he appeared in three nineteen and three twenty one. And uh, I I okay. looked it up. I looked it up yesterday because <laughs> I was because I was home. Alone? Watching TV. Oh, no, no, I, was at my dad's house. I was at my dad's house. Ah. And so watching TV, I was uh, preparing for this uh, episode. And I said, hmm, that's an interesting question. Mm. Uh, all right. So we have his early appearances are weird, though. Isn't his first appearance? He's like, like he's, in a he's prison. He's a disembodied voice or something. Yeah. Or behind so the Iron Curtain or something. They mention him in 318 and then he has a cameo in 319. And then he has a full-blown appearance in 321. Uh. All right. So that was the third question. Question number four, you have between one and ten, but not two, four, or nine. Not two, four, or nine. Let's go with lucky seven. Lucky seven. 
when and where do we see the Legionnaires standing in a line next to the original Doom Patrol, Plastic Man, and Sargon the Sorcerer? Oh my god, on the cover of one of those 70s DC comics. Um, I don't know the name of it, but I've seen this cover like a ton of times. It's like an origin of the superheroes or something like that. Uh, if you don't give, you get the issue number, I'll give it to you because that's the right answer. Yay! I don't know the issue number, so there you go. Woohoo! It was uh, Batman. When else number... would the Legion and Doom Patrol ever appear together except for Crisis? <laughs> uh, it was a Neil Adams drawn cover, uh, wraparound cover to Batman 238, which ah. for some reason had a Legion reprint. Wow. But it also had the Doom Patrol, Plastic Man, and Sargon the Sorcerer reprints. Because that's, that's where you would expect to find. Exactly. In a Those... Batman reprint book. Well, I, I think in the '70s they had to look people up and go, "Okay, whose whose uh, trademarks are expiring soon? Let's do a reprint issue." I guess. And there, yeah, because that that just makes absolutely zero sense as to why Sargon would be hanging out with the Doom Patrol and Legion in a book. So, especially yeah. one published as a Batman book. So. Exactly. Oi! Right. So good job. Well, uh, last question. Who wants to pick? We've got number one. one. Number one. All right, and that is also uh, appropriate to this issue. Back when the back when Glorith was the Time Trapper's assistant, uh, what was the main reason that she was turned into a blob with a splorp, yet the de-aged Legionnaires weren't back in Adventure three thirty eight? He didn't like her accent. Well, he he didn't like the fact that she toyed with them, right? Um, and 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 failed in her mission. That's why she got splorped. But I think he's saying there's something specific she did. Oh, there was something. Yeah, so, something planning specific. planning to usurp the time trapper's power because that kind of became her thing in the in the four boot. But still, not the four boot. But you know what I mean. Volume. Yeah, that that hadn't happened yet. Yep. Okay. I, I know uh, it's something specific, but I don't know what exactly it was. Well, uh, the Legionnaires had been doused in the Fountain of a Thousand Chemicals, Oof. which slowed their age regression to infancy. Mm -hmm. And so they had been, uh, since they had been doused by a thousand chemicals, uh, that slowed their de-aging process, whereas Glorith uh, got splorped back to protoplasm. Ah, I know you almost had that one, right? No, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Did not have that one whatsoever, sir. All right. Well, uh, those are trivia. You guys did pretty well. Yay! I'm glad. So now you want to get into some history? If you want to. I want to. I crave history, sir. All righty. Well... Uh, this week in Legion history, 55 years ago, we're talking uh, November 29th, 1966, Adventure Comics, number 352. Most of the Legionnaires are off on other missions when the Sun Eater enters the solar system, and they have no choice but to recruit the Fatal Five to help. And that was back in episode 56. 40 years ago, 1981, DC Comics presents number 43. Mongol takes Superman captive as he menaces Earth with another Sun Eater, or I guess this would have been the original Sun Eater, because it was a thousand years before 
the adventure days. Uh, and Jimmy Olsen summons the Legion of Superheroes to help. And that was ep uh, episode 525. Uh, 20 years ago in 2001, in The Legion, number two, uh, the Oversight Watch finds the Legionnaires at the blast site from last issue, unharmed due to Brainiac 5's force field, and the two forces begin to fight. The Legion escapes into a huge government facility where they find themselves facing Psycops and the Oversight Watch, but they escape through a drain tunnel. And we will do this one roughly fall of 2027. <laughs> so uh, bookmark that six years from now. Fair enough. Ten years ago, November 2011, Legion Secret Origin number two. Uh, in the 31st century, three teens from different worlds act to save prominent businessman R.J. Brand from assassination. And uh, don't we take a drink for a recap of the origin story? Yeah, we do. All right, there you go. Uh, while you're drinking, uh, this mm -hmm. courageous act will change their lives forever <laughs> and tie them to a conspiracy threatening the fragile foundations of the burgeoning United Planets. Sweet. Uh, uh, and that was episode 162. Then five years ago, uh, we were just getting into parts one through four of a uh, crossover on the CW called Heroes versus Aliens, which was subtitled Invasion. And it, during this crossover, the first big one of the of the CW Arrowverse, the Dominators come to conquer Earth. Mm. Uh, so in the Supergirl episode, uh, Kara turns to Lena for help when Cadmus unleashes a virus that instantly kills aliens and then is asked by Barry Allen and Cisco Ramon for help with an invasion on their Earth by the Dominators. In the Flash episode, part two, Barry asks Green Arrow for help when aliens attack Central City, but when they realize it won't be enough, they track down the Legends of Tomorrow so they can bring Supergirl in on the battle. Part three, in Arrow, Oliver wakes up to a life in which his parents are alive and he's about to marry Laurel, while Felicity faces a new threat of aliens with the help of Flash and Supergirl. And finally, in the Legends of Tomorrow episode, part four, Legends work with Flash, Supergirl, and Green Arrow to kill the invaders uh, while working at how to defeat the Dominators uh, Martin Stein gets distracted by the aberration he created in 1987. And the LSP is not likely to review <laughs> these issues. Are <laughs> these uh, right. any, any of the CW uh, episodes, <coughs> unless they... Like, well, we, might, we might get to it. Who knows? Who knows what the future why I said brings, sir? It's not likely. Not until we get a Legion TV series. Then we'll, then we'll talk about it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we will. <laughs> and that is This Week in Legion History. Woohoo! Well, I guess we're going to wrap it up, unless anybody has anything. Unless Paul wants to come in. I don't know. Is Paul here? Paul! Hello. Yo, Hello. Paul! Paul! No, I don't think he's here. See? Told you we All righty. Well, I guess it's time for the ending spiel. It is time for the ending spiel, sir. All right. Comments, as always, are welcome at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are on the Twitters as LOSP Podcast. 
And in addition to all these things, you can leave a comment on this or any episode at legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. And with that, we make our way into the time bubble while trying to avoid getting splorped by the Time Trapper and uh, Glorith. And we will see you all next week. Pour one out for Valor and pour one out for Stephen Sondheim, kids.